I don't know how many conversations that you've been in. Uh, I've been in many of them where you're talking about life and so on and you'll maybe bring up a Bible passage or a way that the Bible says to handle something and somebody will respond to you, yeah, that's fine, but this is real life. This is real life. And somehow uh, the church and Christians and faith, uh, somehow I think it, for many, many people, even perhaps some people who say that they're followers of Jesus have heard these words from, when crisis comes, it's kind of like, well, yeah, the Bible might say that, but, but this is real life now. This is real life and we need to do things differently. You know, one of the first times I went to Regent College, I think it was the second time, it was in the old building and they're always trying to get people to be friendly with each other, just horrific times. And I'm standing there with people that I don't know. It's just a terrifying experience for me. And they have these barbecues and so on. And then they do this little devotional. And I remember one, I, I, think, I don't think I will ever forget it. It was done by Carl Armading, who used to be there at Regent. And he uh, gave this devotional out of 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. And it's this great story. Maybe you'll know this story if you've read the Old Testament. It's one that kind of stands out for you. And what was happening is that the king of Aram, you know, a traditional enemy of Israel, was having a fight with Israel. But the problem was is that Elisha the prophet would always warn the king of Israel exactly the strategic plan and how the tactics of the battle. And as a result, the king of Aram was constantly losing. And so he gets really ticked off. He accuses his inner circle. Some of you's a, you know, some of you's a rat. You're telling out this. No, 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 no. They say it's because of this prophet. Elisha. And so he said, well, where is this prophet? And they find out where this prophet is, and they send hordes of an army and chariots, and they surround this hill that Elisha and his servants are on. Do you know this story? Great story. And there he is, and there's just the two of them, and there's thousands of soldiers and chariots around them, and Elisha's servant is terrified, and he's saying, Lord, what are we going to do? We're going to die. I mean, what's going to happen here? And Elisha prays. Remember this? Elisha prays, and he says, Lord, open up his eyes. And when Elisha's servant's eyes are opened, he sees reality. And here, outside of the army of Aram, or the flaming chariots of God and God's army. And Armadine said, you see, the problem is, is that we start to think that real life is just sort of the flesh and blood stuff that we can see on earth when, when the real reality, the real reality is in the heavenlies. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we, we get accused of sort of living in what they call the Christian bubble, you know. Oh, yeah, well, you don't really know you're in this Christian bubble in real life. No, 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 no. Let me tell you who's living in the bubble is the world that don't believe in Jesus because they don't recognize that the real reality or the spiritual realities that surround all of us. So if you're ever told, hey, you're living in the church, you're in the bubble, you say, no, 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 you are living in the naive bubble because the reality is that spiritual warfare is real. And real life, real life, sees life through the lens of God Almighty and the complete reality of flesh and blood and spiritual truths. Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them, said Elisha's servant. That's reality. And that's what we talked about last week. We said, listen, spiritual warfare is real and it's serious, but we are given what we need to have victory. And it's ongoing with that theme that he just sort of finishes off this whole, this whole deal. We, we mentioned it last time, but this whole thing about prayer. So here's what we need to burn into our hearts today if we're going to deal with real life. Real life, it's this. 
Deal with real life with real prayer. Deal with real life with real prayer. Let's see what the Apostle Paul said under the inspiration of the Spirit. 618. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Remember, Paul was in, in prison when he wrote these things. Pray that I may declare it, the gospel, fearlessly and as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Tremendous passage encouraging us to deal with real life, with real prayer. It's really a passage about how we can care for one another in the midst of this spiritual battle, this spiritual warfare, this very real thing that we're in the midst of doing. And the first part is about how we can care for one another by prayer. And he gives us in here some hints for a real life of prayer. Some hints for a real life of prayer. I'm indebted to Clint Arnold, one of the guys that's well-known and quoted all the time in the study of Ephesians. And, and he says, you know, that there's, there's kind of five things we can think about as we think about a life of prayer, a real life of prayer out of this passage. The first thing we picked up, and we touched on it last week, is that we are to pray in the Spirit. And remember we said last time that when the Apostle Paul, he uses this language most often in the New Testament, he's speaking about, or writing about, speaking, praying in tongues. This language that some people have the gift of giving, which is this tremendous sense of intimacy. But it's, it's not just that. It's not limited to that. You'll remember that it also has to do with sometimes waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and maybe give us courage to pray. Sometimes we're kind of scared to pray for the things that we know we need to pray for because we know what it's going to mean for the change in our life or what it is that we're going to be doing. Sometimes when you're praying, you've probably had this, you know, you're praying for somebody and then it just, you know, all of a sudden maybe the Holy Spirit will give you some scriptures that apply in a way that maybe you haven't even thought of when you get done praying for the person. They say, you know, that was just amazing. When you prayed that passage of scripture to me, things changed and I began to see things in a different way. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will just give us some insight into some root issues in people's lives and hearts that they maybe haven't shared a little bit, but somehow, you know, we can kind of tentatively say, you know, Lord, I just want to ask you, I want to address this issue of, of fear, or I want to address this issue of lust, or I want to address this issue of guilt, or I want to address this issue of shame, or whatever it is. And sometimes uh, the person maybe, and all of a sudden they realize, man, you know, that is a root in my life. This is to pray in the Spirit. And so it's a way in which we do battle. And so we pray and we speak, and that's good, but we remember that prayer is a conversation and the Holy Spirit will guide us in our prayers. Those are real prayers. Because the Holy Spirit is real and alive and active and he will, he will teach us and show us and lead us in how to pray for ourselves and each other's and the kingdom. 
Second thing he says is, well, you know, we need to pray constantly. What he says actually is, let us pray on all occasions. In other words, let us pray about real life. So how in the world do you pray on all occasions? I think the root of this is to understand and remember that prayer is really just a conversation with God. The idea is that as you walk along, God is right there with us. When we walk through the streets, when we go to work, when we go to school, when we're in our family, when we're with our friends, when we're in our neighbors, the Holy Spirit is right there with us. Jesus is right there with us. And we can have this ongoing conversation with Jesus with the very, very things that we're facing at that time. Understanding prayer's conversation helps make constant prayer easy. And most of the time, for me at least, the kind of sentence prayers. Well, Lord... Here goes. We're about to do something that maybe I'm a little bit afraid of or I think I'm going to mess up, whatever the case may be. Or maybe, uh, for me, I mean, I feel so guilty about this stuff, but like when I'm in the grocery line, if somebody's in there counting, you know, I'm like, Lord, give me patience. Change my heart. You see somebody that just looks like they're struggling. You don't even know what they're struggling with. Lord, just bless that person. An ambulance goes by, the light's flashing. Lord, I don't know what's going on there, but just, but just go and bring that person peace and bring them healing. Just this idea that the, to, to remember and understand that God is totally with us all of the time in every circumstances, and he invites us to converse with him about that. It doesn't have to be a 20-minute sit down on your knees and you know, face to the ground. It can be a sentence prayer. I bet you half my life of prayer is a sentence prayer because we need to pray real prayers about real life, the stuff that's every day when you're just facing something. Third thing, and this helps with that, is he says you need to be attentive in prayer. What he actually says is be alert. What it actually means is be watchful or stay awake. Stay spiritually awake. You know, they used to have these. Have any of you ever been to a watch service? You ever been to one? You've got to kind of been kicking around for a long time. And, you know, those watch services, lots of times they go all night. And the idea is, you know what? We're just going to get together and we're going to pray. And our agenda is we're going to pray. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Well, what's the, what are we going to pray about? We don't know yet, but the Holy Spirit is going to lead us because we are going to do a spiritual watch. We're going to get together. We're going to give God glory. And then we're going to see how the Spirit leads us to pray. Watch services. Giving the the Holy Spirit the chance to make us attentive to what is going on in our life. But it it really, again, it's just just everyday watchfulness. Where is prayer needed and what prayer is needed in the circumstances? You see, one of the things you need to understand is is that is the spiritual dynamic of everything that happens. The spiritual dynamic of all kinds of things. I remember when I was at Asbury, I took this course... Oh, it actually was after I was done. It was an after course. Anyway, they brought me back because they knew I needed more help than most people. And, and in this thing, they had a psychologist at Lechinger's, and, and they said, she was arguing that every transaction, every encounter is relational. Me being a task-oriented person argued with that. No, it isn't. What are you talking about? I just go and do this. I just want this and this. Just give me this and buy this or whatever. It's, we sort of relational. We just need to get this job done. Of course, I was wrong when she showed me whatever. Because she said, even if you go to the grocery store, right, and you, how you treat that, that clerk, how you, how you interact there, it's a relational deal, right? 
Same thing with every interaction that we have is spiritual and dynamic. There's a spiritual side to every interaction that we have with people. At the very least, we walk away giving testimony to God's grace and goodness and Jesus' kindness. Or we give a testimony that says, ooh, that was not very, not very good. Because there's a spiritual dynamic all the time. And then Paul says, listen, you just, you just need to be attentive. The Holy Spirit will clue you in. He will whisper in your ears. He'll make you notice things. You, and it, the more you practice this, the more it just becomes kind of natural. But we have to be attentive. We're watchful. Whether it's these focused times of watch night prayers and this sort of thing. Or just understanding that in every interaction with people, there is a spiritual dynamic. There's a dynamic of conflict. There's a dynamic of thanksgiving. There's a dynamic of grace. There's a spiritual dynamic. And as followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to be sensitive to this whole thing until we're attentive. Fourth thing is we need to be zealous in devotion to prayer. What he says is keep on praying. We read that. It's actually a very, very rare word that Paul uses here. And it literally means throw yourself into it. It was quite a challenge for me when I realized this. And so the whole question is, when I think about prayer, do I throw myself into it? I mean, do I really throw myself into it? Do I have those times, in addition to those sentence prayers and ongoing things, are there times when I just absolutely commit myself in a, in a radical way to prayer? You know, that's quite a challenge. Because I don't know about for you, but sometimes I, and I suspect others, are kind of hesitant in praying. I don't really throw myself into it whole hog with all my time and all of my energy and all of my heart. And, and, and as I was thinking about that, I said, Lord, you know, why is this? Why, why am I sometimes hesitant to really throw myself into prayer? And I think for me, at least, it boils down to the issue of faith. Because sometimes it's hard for me, first of all, to believe that God cares about what I want to pray about. Because I think maybe God, you know, it's too small. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care about this situation. Whatever the case. And sometimes I don't throw myself into it because it's kind of embarrassing because I know in the grand scheme of all of history, the thing that's captured my heart, the thing that's got me afraid, the thing that's got me worried, it's really just kind of insignificant. It's like, well, I'm kind of embarrassed to bring this before God. But you see, God is our loving Father. And anything that is significant to you is significant to Him. And so I need to not worry, I need to have the faith to believe that God, my Father, cares about these things that I care about, and so I don't need to be embarrassed to throw myself into it. Sometimes I don't throw myself into it because I'm afraid of disappointment. Because sometimes when I pray about things, <laughs> often, unfortunately, when I pray about things, it doesn't come out the way that I want it to come out. And sometimes it feels like God is kind of like deaf or he hasn't coming through or he doesn't understand how serious this is or whatever the case may be. And so sometimes, you know, I've had enough of those experiences that it's like, you know, I have kind of give up on prayer a little bit because, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do anyhow. And so why better than even praying? And, and sometimes I don't have the faith 
that even if I am disappointed because it doesn't come out exactly as I want it to, God is still good and God is still hearing my prayer and God is still making a difference in me if in nothing else, even if the situation doesn't work out the way it is. And so for me, these, these are the things that sometimes stop me throwing myself, being zealous in my prayer life. It's a weakness of faith that I need to practice prayer to get out of and see and have the eyes to see God's answers. And even if I'm disappointed because it doesn't turn out the way I am, to believe in the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, that he is my father, and how this turns out will be right and good for his kingdom's sake. Fifth thing that he says is, we need to pray for others. Yes, he says, listen, pray for all of the saints. Now, remember, remember back to the first three chapters of Ephesians. Paul's entire thrust here in Ephesians is, listen, in spite of our differences, we are one family. In spite of the things which would normally separate us, we are one. We are the family, the children of God. And so as he comes to the end here, that's what he's saying. Listen, pray for all of God's people. Not just those that you like, not just those that you agree with, not just those that you're happy about, but you need to pray for all kinds of people. You see, praying for people, all people, ignites love in our hearts. Duff and I, we have coffee every once in a while, and uh, we were talking about Duff Duff said, you know, sometimes I wonder, why do we, why do we pray for, for politicians? Remember this conversation, Duff? Duff and I don't agree politically. We get frustrated with politicians for different reasons. We're kind of slightly different, but we both have. I said, you know, Duff, I'll tell you why. Because when I pray for this politician, I don't hate him. I might be frustrated. I might be disappointed. But the anger in my heart, the... Oh, that feeling, it, it goes away. And I can still disagree and I can still have disappointment, but when I pray for those that I don't agree with, for those maybe, those that may have hurt us, those that have disappointed us, those that make themselves our enemies, when we pray for them, God does something in our hearts. He begins to ignite and put a spark of love for the other person. When I was in Bible college, there was a girl, Janet, and uh, we were talking one time about, about, prayer, about this conflict that she was in. And she said, you know what? I, um, I, I pray for him because it's my way of loving him from afar. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit. I don't know. It's my way of loving him from afar. And I thought that that was a good statement because there are some people that keep you at an arm's length, aren't there? There are some people that truly, it's maybe not even safe for you to be around. That's just reality. It's a sad reality, but that's just the case the way it is. Some people, you're, you're kind of afraid to get in there, whatever the case may be. But you see, we can pray for that person. Why? Because we are loving them from afar. And so we are to pray, Clint Arnold says, for all people, as he talks about Paul's words. You see, what I'm going to say, what I say to you is, if you, will, if you and I will put these five things into our life, we pretty soon have a real life of prayer. And the more that we're conscious of it, and the more that we practice it, if we take, you know, one of those things a month, a week, you know, a week, a week for each one, on the five weeks or whatever, four and a half weeks, all of a sudden, if you focus on those things, then all of a sudden, it becomes part of your real life of prayer. 
and you find yourself praying real prayers. Well, Paul goes on. He's got so much in here. And the next thing he says is, listen, what you need to understand is, when it comes to our prayer life, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask for prayer. Paul frequently asked the congregations he served to pray for him. It's all through the Thessalonians, Corinthians, Romans, Colossians, Ephesians. He's constantly asking those who are followers, those who he's led for Christ, those who, who look up to him as an apostle. He's constantly asking them, will you please pray for me? I need your prayer. You know, I don't know about you, but until I think about these things, I never imagine Paul being afraid, really of anything, but afraid to preach the gospel. I just kind of imagine him as this, uh, you know, this guy that's going to bulwark and he's going to take on anything and he's going to go in front of seas and he's going to do all of these things and he's fearless and boy, I sure wish that we could be with him. And so, just in case somebody died or something. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, you know, I lost focus. But he asks for prayer because he's afraid. He's afraid that he's going to mess it up. He's afraid that he's not going to be bold enough. Because he says, pray for me that when I talk about the gospel, that I do it clearly, that I don't mess it up, and that I be bold. Not be afraid. You know, it's quite a humbling thing for a great apostle to pray for, isn't it, to ask for? And so the lesson for me, and I think the lesson for us, is, is that we don't let pride or embarrassment prevent us from asking for prayer. And one of the ways that we fight for each other we talked last week about the shield of faith and how it's when, when the Roman army were together and they make a shield wall to make that tortoise. That's when they could storm the cities and, and that's when we can storm the gates of hell for each other is when we ask for prayer for each other and those when we're weak, those who have faith can stand around us and lift, put their shields in front of us and over top of us and attack that fortress of the enemy that's coming against you and the demons that God is, that is fighting on your behalf. When we ask for prayer... You know, we, uh, we had some elders change over there at this uh, last annual meeting, some uh, after time on the elders' board, taking a bit of a break. And so we had this little conversation. Frank Smith said, oh, what, what do we learn? What do you guys think as you finish off? And it was, I was so, so blessed by what they answered because what they said is, you know what? We sure miss meeting with people and praying for each other and praying for people as much as we did before COVID. It's one of the great joys of the elders is for the people that we care for to ask for prayer so we can go to their homes or we can meet after church and anoint them with oil and pray for them and care for them in this way because people ask for prayer. It's why we have those connect cards. You see them there, they're white and yellow. We take those very, very seriously. When you write on those cards, please pray either a prayer of thanksgiving or a prayer of need. Or we really do pray. We don't just garbage those suckers. We pray. We pray because it's one of the best ways that we can love each other and one of the biggest ways that we can make a difference. So don't be afraid. It's not a matter that's too small. It's not a struggle that people haven't faced before. We pray and so we ask each other for prayer. And then the third thing in this whole life of prayer and praying for real life is that Paul is kind of reminds us, but don't forget about the kingdom. That's verses 19 and 20. You know, there he is, he's in prison, and his prayer is, hey, 
Pray that I'd be bold and confident and clear when I preach the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, if I was in prison facing I don't know what in a Roman prison, I'd be asking, hey, can you pray for me to get out? But Paul prays, can you pray that the gospel gets out? You see, his idea of a prison break was much different than my idea for a prison break. My idea of a prison break is, okay, Lord, you know, you got Peter out there that time. Pick me. Paul's idea is, listen, what's important here is that the gospel gets out. The gospel breaks out of imprisonment. The gospel is spread. And if that means that it's me in my chains that cause that able to do that by putting before Roman governors and so on, then so be it. What's important is the kingdom. It's an important thing that we pray in our life of prayer for the kingdom of God. It's one of the ways that's going to ensure that you keep, seek first the kingdom of God. It's one of the things that, that Jesus tells us to do. He says, listen, hey, tell you what, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these other things that you're concerned about, they'll be added to your life. And when we make praying for the kingdom and its expansion and its health and its victory and its expression, when we pray for the kingdom, God's finger moves, but most importantly of all, it reminds us and puts place in our hearts that no matter what it is that I'm going through in life, no matter what the circumstances that I'm facing in life, no matter how discouraged I am, no matter how afraid I am, no matter how enthused I am, no matter how excited I am as I think about the future, oh yeah, I've got to remember that all of this happens within the context of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is really supposed to be my focus with Christ on the throne and it's when we pray that regularly that we remember that and we live that because if I don't pray that regularly pretty soon I'm all about the kingdom of Alan and what I want and what I desire and my list goes on he says so don't forget to pray for the kingdom and to make it a priority because when you make it a prayer priority it becomes a life priority then he said, but you know, praying for one another, it's not the only way that we help each other in real life. We can show care for each other by fellowship, by, by being together. And that's that little, these verses here, 21 through 24, this, this little part that's so easy to read over. He says, listen, I'm going to send, with, I'm going to send uh, Tychicus, my dear brother and faithful servant to you, and he's going to tell you everything that's going on with me, and he is going to encourage you. Commentaries will tell you that Paul, very often he'll put details of his life in his letters, you know, this and do this and do this, I wish this and wish that. But in this particular case, Paul's got a better way because he's going to send somebody who is close to him in person to meet with these people in Ephesus. You see, media is fine. But there's nothing like person to person. Letters were the social media of the day. Paul wrote letters. He wrote lots of letters. Thank God we have a New Testament. But Paul says, listen, what I'm really going to do this time, though, I want to get detailed with you, and so I'm going to send a person. I'm going to send Tychicus, and he is going to fill you in on all the details. He's going to answer your questions. He's going to be there in person, and him being there is going to encourage you. That's why it's so important. We take the time to be with each other. It's because nothing beats it. 
We kind of know this coming out of COVID, don't we? We know what it's like to be sort of isolated and to miss the people that we used to hang out with more. That's why, it's so, that's why we really encourage everybody. You put that other slide, next slide up. It's why we encourage everybody to be in some kind of a small group. So that you can be in a group of people who know you and that you know and that you can look after each other and care for each other and you can know the details and the things, the things that you, wow, you know, I feel a little silly telling you about the elders not to be able to put in my small group. Yeah, I'll do, you know, let's do that. It's why, it's why, we, why we have this, this uh, Kathleen cognizes these monthly meals to eat together, to get to know each other, to just have conversations and to pray each other and to say, hey, this is somebody that I know and this is what's going on in their life. It's, it's why, why we're so excited to have the coffee, <laughs> the coffee deal kind of happening over here with the soft opening we have so that, so that we can kind of hang around and, and have a coffee together or a tea together and just sort of visit and catch up with one another and, and, and be together. It's why we end the Sunday school time with this barbecue that we're going to have. It's so that we can spend time together because nothing beats per- person to person, eyeball to eyeball, hand to hand. It just simply doesn't. You know, it was interesting, I was reading a, a, an op-ed by a, a representative of Generation, Generation Z, Z, Z. So these are, this guy's like 22, so it's kind of that, that age group in, in there. Really fascinating, you're talking about the church and Gen Z, because we all need to be reading that stuff, because that's what counts old guys like me, all just, these are the guys we're going to look after. So, uh, it's quite fascinating because one of the things he talks about, he says, listen, we are quite aware of the fragility of our mental state. Like, I mean, you can see it study after study after study, that age group, you know, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's isolation, there's all these different things. He says, we are quite aware of our mental state and we are aware of what's causing it, but our phones are too precious to us. See what he's saying? He's saying, we, we understand that this, all this social media stuff, we understand that it's wrecking us Emotional, psychological, you want to get details on this, you can talk to Mark. He's done lots of reading on this as he works with, works with youth, right, and all these different things. Here's the thing. It does zero good, zero good, for us to stand up, hey, put away phones, blah, 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 rant and rail about these kind of things. It's not going to do a bit of good. Everybody understands what this stuff does to people, especially women, young girls. Horrific, right? And we know this, whistleblower, Zuckerberg, all that stuff. We understand this. So it's no use of standing and doing, you know what's going to make the difference? Is if we make the effort to be person to person with people. And we just do it. We just say, let's grab a coffee, let's grab a tea, let's go for a walk, let's go for a bike ride, let's watch a movie. Whatever, whatever it is, it's no use ranting and railing about that stuff. Everybody knows. We already know. I know. You know, terrible thing. You know, back in the youth when Andrew's growing up, you know, all his buddies with phone, he was quite a social guy. We had this rule, okay, that's it. We do not answer the phone during a mealtime. If I'm eating, no phone calls. I don't care who phones have. So. But Sheena has to say to me sometimes, hey, why are you reading that text while we're eating? We all know. It's not just lecturing each other about it. We just have to be in person with each other. And just invite each other. And text each other to say, hey, let's get together for a walk. Let's get together for a coffee. Why don't you come over for a meal or whatever the case may be. Person to person. Paul understood. Media's fine. But there's nothing like person to person. It's why we're having this family camp. That's how you can register for it right there. 
It's very laid back. It's kind of like it was last year. You know, there's not a whole pile of stuff scheduled. Why? I mean, there's going to be a few game Andrews lining up and this sort of thing. And we're going we're gonna to eat Saturday supper together. And, and the Sunday, that Sunday is going to be out to the camp. It's going to be a potluck. You'll get me in details of that. It's laid back. Why is it laid back like that? Why is it not overscheduled? Because we just need to be together person to person and walk down the trails and fight mosquitoes off each other. <laughs> because it's critical stuff that we can know what's going on in each other's lives that we may encourage one another because that's real life that's real need and then Paul he gets right back into prayer he says listen we need to pray for those that we love you know sometimes you don't know what to pray right you know somebody will come to mind the Holy Spirit will put someone on our hearts and we think about them don't really know what to pray. Well, well, here what Paul does is he outlines four things that you can always pray that will be powerful in people's lives. You can always pray this for people that we know slightly, that we know deeply, that we see passing them. He said the first thing is, if you look at those last few verses here, is to pray for peace. The word, of course, that Paul would use is shalom, right? Which, as we know, shalom it basically means that everything is as it should be under the will of God. That's what shalom is. Not just the absence of conflict, but it's a good thing. It's progress. And so it's very good to pray for each other. Lord, you know, for, I just pray that you would be with Alan and, and Sheenan as they go on vacation the next few weeks. So we just pray shalom for them. We pray that everything would be just as it should be. There would be a time of rest. There would be a time of, of harmony. There would be a time of refreshment. There would be that, 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 that relationship can deepen all of these things. We pray for peace. We pray for shalom. Your good will on that person. And he says, listen, I, I, I may, may the love of God fall upon you. It's such a great need that people would know God's abundant, unfailing love. Because I'm telling you, when we get down into proper conversations with each other, it's staggering how many people don't really, really know and believe that God loves them. I mean, really know it. Really know it. That in God's love, we are safe. That in God's love, we have a place of belonging. That we are never on the outside looking in. That God will always be with us and never forsake us. No matter how well we do or how poorly we do, God loves us. And so few of us, I'm telling you, so few of us really believe that in the degree that we can live out of that in the face of the circumstances of life. I'll bet every single one of us could use the prayer of the brotherhood and sisterhood to pray that we would really know the love of God. He said, I, I, pray, I pray that faith, God would increase your faith. This is the a saving faith, obviously, at first, that people would come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and by confessing in him, being baptized into his life and raised into his life, that, that we would have eternal life, uncorruptible life, as it says at the end here. But it's also this shield that, that Lord, I pray that they would have the shield of faith to ward off the attacks of the enemy because I don't know how the enemy is attacking me right now. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I can, you can be sure that the enemy wants to undermine everybody that you know. He wants to get in and wreck their life, wreck their family, 
wreck their job, wreck their hope. He wants to do that so we can pray that, that they would know that God is with us as we walk through the dark times. So whatever dark time, Lord, that this brother, that this sister is facing, I pray that you would give them the shield of faith that they can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy which are coming against them. It's always good to do because all of us, all the time, are facing challenges. Big challenges, little challenges, in between challenges. And finally, he said, pray for grace. That people would know your grace. That they would experience and expect all of the good things from their good father in spite of ourselves. <laughs> in spite of ourselves. That God wants to lavish his goodness upon them his love upon them. That God, that they would know that God delights. He delights in giving forgiveness. Scriptures tell us. Grace. Never hurts. You can always pray that God's grace would become an ever more abundant reality in people's lives because we all depend on God's amazing grace. So, real life is not what the world tells us. We don't live in a naive bubble. The world lives in a naive bubble. Because they don't want to face the reality of the spiritual realities of a God who is Lord of all and yet one enemy who is out to destroy you because he hates Jesus. And the best way he can hurt Jesus is to hurt you. We understand that reality. That's real life. And because that's real life, we need to have real prayer. We need to ask for real prayer. And we need to offer up real prayer. So we want to finish off this morning um, a little bit differently. We want to give you time to pray. I'm going to put that next slide up there. And what, what's going to happen is that John and the team is going to come and they're just going to play some instrumental music. And, and, and we just want to invite you to do a couple of things. To just think of somebody. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, who, who can I pray for? And, and maybe you know them and you know some specifics that you can pray for them about right now and you can focus on that and that will be good. But, but if it's somebody that you don't, man, you don't really know the whole, the details of their life, but we just want to pray for them, then you can at least pray for these four things that we've just talked about. If you can't think of anybody else, you can always pray for me. I'm in desperate need constantly of the prayer. So. And so we just want to, you know, they're going to play and, and, and so. And then if you, number two, if you feel led, we talked about the evils of social media, but it also can be good. If you feel led, just shoot them a text. Just say, hey, just been praying for you. And maybe, maybe something specific, if, if something is laid on you. Just shoot him a text. Let him know, hey, the Holy Spirit put you on my heart. Might sound weird to you, but I, just, I was just praying for you. And then number three, maybe show up for somebody this week. Maybe a Tychicus. So just kind of, hey, you want to go for coffee? Want to come over? Want to go for a walk? Whatever, whatever, bike, whatever it is that you do, just show up for somebody and find out what's going on in their life. 
And let them know what's going on in your life and what's going on in the life of people that, that you mutually care about. And encourage one another. You see, this life that we live, this life that Paul described by the inspiration of the Spirit in Ephesians, that's real life. So let's not be deceived by what the world says is real life. Let's do real life with real prayer and real fellowship. So the team will play. And then John, when you feel like led, you know, that people have had time, then you can just carry on. I think we've got a song and then communion, right? That's how we go. So just go, brother, as the Spirit leads you, kind of watch the crew. I'll just start us off and then you pray. Holy Spirit, we're just so thankful for your presence. We're thankful, Jesus, that you are here. And we just ask, Lord, that you would right now give us someone or some people for whom you'd like us to pray. Maybe somebody we know intimately. Maybe someone we hardly know. Maybe somebody we've just seen. Hear now our prayer.